This boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. Aloha, y'all. This is Daniel Eisenman, the host of the Breaking Normal podcast, where my guests are all invited based on the frequency of synchronicity, all done in person, and all trailblazers in the breaking of all things normal. I like. That is Davina, the 98th podcast guest, and she's helping me introduce the 99th podcast guest. I like watching movies with Daddy in bed. I love watching movies with you in bed. And if you want to hear the whole episode of Davina and I sharing all, a lot of gratitude, <laughs> definitely. Yep, we're on Facebook Live while we're doing this intro. Because this is an important day, Davina. Guess what? What? There's only three days left for people to pre-order when we're recording this. Three days left because it ends at, I think, 11, 11 a.m., November 11th. Daddy? Um, to pre-order the tri-vitamins. And we've already hit our goal, so give me a high Daddy? five. Celebrate. Boom. Yeah, baby. Mom, I need four, three more days before I get to mommy. Uh, no, more about like 50 because her mama, Deanna Magic, is in the process of flying to Denmark right now to see her dad and family. Her dad's going through some hard times. And, hey, 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 hey. People, are, people might have headphones on right now. That might be a little challenging for their ears. So anyways, the tribe vitamins. Wow, we hit our goal. It's like three days Daddy? left, big time. Daddy? Kickstarter, tribe vitamins, one word. Get your bottle today. Yes, baby. Jessica and I talk about that in the episode coming up, by the Daddy? way. What's up, Davina? You're done? Yeah. Okay. You want to say goodbye? All right, everybody, enjoy this episode with Jessica. It's controversial. It's conscious. It's heart sync of a group think. It's, woo, it's beyond words. And if you're watching on Facebook, yeah, go ahead and tune in. Oh, by the way, if you didn't catch my newsletter, I'm going to give you all a little prize. It's like first the newsletter people got the first hint of it. Now the podcasters and the Facebook livers get it. Hey, let me just finish this one part. You know, the first five people that send me a podcast review on any podcast website with tribe vitamins in the review, you get a free month supply. First five. Email me at daniel at breakingnormal.com or Instagram message me that. Just screenshot that. And uh, looking forward to sharing this synergy with y'all. Keep breaking normal. Enjoy this episode. I would love to know what comes up. I know this is a arguably probably going to be a very triggering episode, which I think is also known as enlightening. I think triggering is when we're like bringing light to shadows. So it's getting enlightened up in here. And if you're on my Facebook live, you can like, I'm I'll show you. I'm like literally looking at like all these light and shadows on the mountaintop up here. It's such a beautiful scene. All right. Anyways, podcasters, thanks for tuning in again. Enjoy your tribe vitamins. Thanks for all the support. I'm looking forward to those reviews. And thank you, Davina, for being the most special guest. Oh, and by the way, I want to give you all a gift. And someone just texted me. I can, I'm, this is amazing. What a synchronicity. Today is National Bison Day. Holy moly. Look into it. <laughs> wow. And on that note, I'm going to gift a segment of the Breaking Normal book that you can get on Audible. I think you can get it for free if you've never had Audible before. You can get it for some credits. Epic recommendation. <laughs> uh, the best other Audible book I've listened to recently is Green Lights from Matthew McConaughey. I love that. But anyways, I'll give a segment, a sample of the Breaking Normal book at the 
as like the afterword of this episode. So it's like the outro of this episode. So if you feel aligned and you want to download the Breaking the World book while you're at it, while getting those uh, bison liver supplements, be my guest. For real. Like it's an honor. Love y'all. Peace in. Hey guys, this is Casey here. Hope you're enjoying the episodes. Just wanted to give you a heads up that you will hear a few sensor beeps in this episode as we have changed some of the names in the story to respect uh, the people involved in the story. So I hope you enjoy the episode. It's a great one. All right, here we go. It is uh, 4.50 p.m. Colorado time. I'm up here in Golden. It says the degrees on my phone in Boulder are 70. I'm doubtful of that. Temperature around here changes quickly. As my special guest, Jessica Philkins, also known as Mermaid Feet on Instagram, knows because you've lived in the house that I currently live at, that where we're currently doing this podcast. I've heard like the if you don't like the weather here, wait five minutes. I've also heard that you walk around. You've walked around here barefoot, oh, and, and in yeah. the snow even that told me. <laughs> yeah, the mermaid is uh, something that must have something to do with your chosen Instagram handle. Yeah, my feet are really wide. They're good for <laughs> swimming and walking on the earth. Hey. <laughs> I'm uh, demanding my dog Uriah to sit down and she likes it. She's down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do have like, uh, I would say, big, strong looking feet. <laughs> yeah. Do you have anything else to say about feet? And I mean, I mean, mermaid <laughs> feet, anything else about that? Would you like to expound upon that? Because um, I think we're about to get into one of the most like radically honest um, catch up stories. I, uh, I, I, last time I saw Jessica was probably a few months ago. Yeah, and July. More than a, a July, okay. And, and today the date is November something. Something. <laughs> Today's the date that is the date before Deanna flies to Denmark, so that I will be um, head solo parent for about fifty plus days coming up. Woo. So starting tomorrow, um, woo, we was right. So I, I, I imagine you had a 50-day initiation, 50-plus day initiation while you were gone abroad. Um, and I'm really excited to explore what happened during that time. But before we do, do you, like, what, what, what's, is there a passion behind with you and Mermaid? I want to <laughs> yeah. break down this breaking normal name. So, yeah, I grew up homeschooled on a boat in the Bahamas um, and then also on an island off the coast of Rhode Island called Block Island. So I just always love the water. I love to spearfish and surf and it's pretty much anything in the water. So people call me a mermaid. <laughs> when you say you grew up on like um, on a boat in the Bahamas, you said? Yeah. And then uh, this island, what, when you, did you go to school or what was like your... Yeah. So like I went to school on Black Island. There was like a K through 12th grade school. There's only six kids in my grade. Um, and then like most of the winters, my parents would take us down to the Bahamas on the boat and just homeschool down there. And yeah, homeschooling is a thing now, but it wasn't really so much back then. <laughs> and you said us, meaning you have siblings? Yeah, I have a younger brother. Just y'all yeah. two, huh? Mm-hmm. What's his name? His name's Walter. Walter. Now, is it, do y'all, am I, is it, my understanding correct that y'all have a company together yeah. somewhat? Tell so, me. I mean, because I've used it. I've used <laughs> the product, but tell us what that product is. Yeah, so Jamu, spelled J-A-H-M-U, is a product that I developed about almost seven years ago now. Um, it's a turmeric ginger chai tea, so it's super anti-inflammatory. And uh, my brother became my business partner, and we worked on that for the past, yeah, six, seven years. And 
I recently gave him the company in March, so now he's continuing it on, and you can still get it at jamu.com, and it's a great product. I really enjoyed adding it to, so I would make this coffee drink, and I would make, add butter, raw milk, the jamu chai, I think, uh, with caffeine, mm-hmm. and a you few other ingredients, it. and man, that's so good, so good. Yeah. That's good stuff. So that's, that was an endeavor that you started seven years ago? Yeah, I had a lot of digestive issues, and then I went to Indonesia and learned about turmeric, and jamu is actually the Indonesian word for like their herbal medicine system. Um, so I learned how to make a version of it there and then kind of made my own version of it here that's in powder form so it's more accessible and affordable and started sharing that with the world and it's been good. It helped a lot of people with you know, arthritis and digestive stuff and it's just yummy. I drank it this morning. I drink it still almost every day. That's awesome. You also took the tri-vitamins. The last. I did. <laughs> I mean, I get, I, let me firstly say that when I'm recording this podcast, I'm celebrating that we have exceeded our goal before the lifeline because Kickstarter, I think, is an all or none. At least that's the option I chose for the $15,000 for like, pre, like pre-funding the initial supply and beyond for launching the company of Tri-Vitamins. So congratulations to us, to the bison. Um, congratulations to the people that have tried, the, the few people that have tried the product before we get this initial shipment out, including you. Um, yeah, I'd like to know what you're, what do you think about it? I know you were doing some muscle testing before you tried it. So I'd like to hear what your experience, your brief experience thus far has been. Yeah. So it was muscle test supplements before I take them. And, um, it just, I wasn't expecting to feel strong with them and it felt really strong. And then I ended up getting my period today. So I think that maybe when women are menstruating, they might need those vitamins more. So arguably the best time to take them. Yeah. So that's been making me feel really good the last couple of days. Wow, that's quite interesting. Mm-hmm. That is very fascinating. Yeah, I'm actually, the the line of supplements, that, starting with this one, with the bison liver, 100% grass finished, which is rare, um, is I'm aiming to create a line of products that would be ideal for a pregnant mom to take um, and I started with what I thought was the most potent, which was the liver from the biggest mammal on North America. North America. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, and yeah, that's super rich in iron, super, yeah. and a lot of other like B vitamins and all kinds of other things. So that's a cool synchronicity, and um, I think that'll be part of the topic. Maybe the idea uh, about being pregnant and other topics around that. Um, so cool. That's cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just like celebrating that. Like, nice, nice. I keep feeling supported with this project. Mm-hmm. My dad, I think I told you that. My dad's been a pharmacist for 40 years now, and he took them at night, and he was like, like, no one could pay me to take them at night again. Like, you couldn't pay me enough. He had so much energy. So I think it has a lot to do with where someone is, um, especially if they're, yeah, if you're going through your moon cycle or if you're pregnant. Um, if for any reason, anem- anyone that's anemic, yeah. Man, it's a, I would say one of the greatest things to start with right now. Nice. Or if you're recovering from like a, being an alcoholic or a vegan. <laughs> <laughs> I have that on like the prototype label. I'm not sure if that's going to fly <laughs> for the actual product, but we'll see. Um, all right, all right, all right. So here we are. You lived here. I think when I moved in here, you had visited. We got to know each other. 
Um, lots of cool synchronicities. I got to see you in your creative space of potentially looking to looking to create another product. Mm -hmm. And it seemed like you had this, um, as the world was going through their cultural chaos through 2020 and the C word, you went on a cruise of sorts. <laughs> yeah, you went on, can you tell, like for someone that wonders as much as I do, it's like, well, Daniel's quite curious about her trip. Yeah. I want to hear about it too. So let's pretend someone might not know anything about you. Is that cool to maybe explore the golden thread of this trip that you mm -hmm. took? And I'll ask some questions maybe as like pointing the ship. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. All right. So wh where'd you go? Where'd you go? <laughs> I remember you left Boulder and you were about to go on some crazy ass like heart. It seemed like a heart spaced adventure. Yeah. So yeah, to back up a little bit, I was living here, I think in like January and February and March and right around when the whole things were getting crazy and potential lockdowns and stuff, I think around March 19th. My parents live in the Bahamas in the wintertime on, on their boat, and their house had gotten pretty destroyed by the hurricane. So my friend Greg was living with them in the Bahamas helping. Which hurricane? Um, Dorian. So their house got pretty demolished, you're yeah. saying, from that hurricane? Well, luckily, theirs is still standing, but like need a lot of work where most of the houses got totally demolished. Uh, which island is this? If you um, Hopetown, or oh. the island's Elbow Key in the Abacos in the northern Bahamas. Wow. All right. So you went down there to help with the situation. Well, I wasn't planning to at all, but I guess like had this moment where I was like, had an opportunity to go. There was a ticket I could, a plane ticket I could buy. And I just like meditated and was trying to decide between staying here in Colorado, driving to Rhode Island or flying to the Bahamas. And I just, this land here actually was really helpful. I just meditated on the land and just trusted that I'll know when I know and I'll make the right decision when I do. And at like 2 p.m. I bought a plane ticket and flew out at 11 p.m. and got stuck in the Bahamas for like four or five months, <laughs> which was a really beautiful When you experience. say stuck, what do you mean stuck by it? What does that mean? And, well, that, and that's a pretty amazing thing. You say you, you booked your flight at 2 and left at 11? Yeah. <laughs> okay, just making sure I caught that. Go ahead though. What, so, um, what? Yeah, I put everything in my car and left the car here, I think. So um, there were no more flights coming like once the Bahamas went on total lockdown like a lot of other countries and there are no flights back to the states and couldn't even take a boat back to the states and, but it's a beautiful experience because I was there with my mom and my dad and my brother and his fiance and my best friend Greg and I don't know when else in my life I would ever spend you know three four months with my parents living in the same house I haven't done that since I was 15. That's been such a common thread for my podcast guests lately <laughs> for myself especially so that's I can celebrate that with you. So there you are all of a sudden spending time with, forced, forced to spend time with your family. And I've heard like one of my greatest definitions I've heard of enlightenment is something along the lines of like getting along with your family. Yeah, yeah, it's a Ram Dass quote. What is that? You, you know think you're exact... enlightened, go spend a month with your family. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> good point. <laughs> so yeah, it was a lot of healing. And the funny thing was um, like in September of last year, I went, I was at this, I was selling Jammu at an event, and there was like a psychic there, and I did a, psych a tarot card reading with her. And she said, you got to go help your dad in the Bahamas this winter. You're going to meet like the love of your life there. And so like the whole time I've been trying to figure out like it doesn't really fit into my schedule to go to the Bahamas at all. And then so I ended up there. And, you know, I was there in May. I still hadn't met the love of my life. There wasn't even anyone on the island I wanted to have sex with, let alone like spend the rest of my life with. And one, one <laughs> rewind, the tarot card reader, where was this at? <laughs> this is in Massachusetts. 
And is this like someone you know or like you want to share? I mean, like just that's a pretty I, strong I reading. Yeah, yeah, they, you do your own thing on that. But uh, just so that's pretty amazing. She said that one more time. Yeah, she said that you're going to meet like the love of your life in the Bahamas this winter. And it's important that you go. Because I asked, like, should I try to go help my dad in the Bahamas this winter? And she was like, yes. And that's where you'll meet a man. Okay, so, and, so this was the point you already knew your parents needed to help with the... Yeah, I okay. knew that they would be there, but I had no intention okay, interesting. of going All to right. the Bahamas because I was right. living in Colorado. All right, paying attention, paying attention. All right, so there you are in uh, the Bahamas and not even not even feeling sexual with any human. <laughs> yeah. Is that where we're, where <laughs> that's, you're at? Yeah, okay. that's where we're at. <laughs> okay, so to be continued, there we continue. <laughs> um, yeah, so I ended up meeting um, this South African guy named Oscar, like right before I was about to leave the Bahamas, like Flights were almost open. I had a boat ride back home. I was about to leave. But my intuition kept telling me not to go yet, and I didn't really know why. Like, I had an opportunity to go on someone's boat, and I didn't, and then I had a flight, and I canceled it. I just, like, didn't want to leave yet. And then um, I met, then I was surfing, and this guy, Oscar, was surfing too, and I was like, it's, I hadn't seen any other new humans on the island in a long time. <laughs> and he um, had been doing some hurricane relief work, like, helping rebuild people's homes. And he actually got stranded on a little island nearby camping. But he spent like 56 days camping on an island. So I thought that was pretty cool. And um, what, what, Just real quickly, <laughs> by himself or with other uh, people? With one other person. <laughs> who was that? If that's, um, like, you don't need like, their name, but like, what, who were they? Like uh, just a friend? Another, or? Like, friend, fisherman wow. guy. Wow. So they had a boat and they, could, they were able to go get groceries and they were <laughs> quarantined on this island, which is funny. We drove by the island, but we never went to it because our dinghy had gotten stolen so like usually my parents and I would be going bopping around all the islands but our dinghy got stolen and then actually found so it was a funny story but um so yeah we didn't meet until the very end <laughs> your parents dinghy got stolen and you found it yeah <laughs> uh, can, what happened there in an elevator story um, a 10 story elevator story unfortunately there's a lot more crime now in that part of the Bahamas after the hurricane there's a lot of desperate people particularly like Haitian immigrants and um, hmm. so we don't well, that, I mean that's pretty common I've heard like after lots of not natural disasters it seems like loot, looting yeah, is pretty common. pretty common yeah so that happened and that happened to your parents dinghy. yeah and they found the dinghy washed up a couple days later but they didn't find the outboard until like a month and a half later they found it in the bushes <laughs> wow. it never made it to wherever they were trying to get it to fascinating all right, so are you able to keep track of where we're at? <laughs> yeah, so anyway, so I met um, Oscar, and we ended up starting to spend a lot of time together, and we fell in love, and he ended up living with me and my parents, because my brother had left at that point instead of Greg, so he ended up living with me and my parents, and... He left for what, you said? My brother and, and, your brother and Greg left for already left back oh, to okay. the States, so All right, cool. it was just me and my parents, and, and Oscar at the house, and... Um, we were just surfing together every day and diving together and just having, like, the best time ever. It was, like, a honeymoon. And he just, like, checked all the boxes in terms of, like, previous to this time, I would always find myself falling in love with people who I couldn't actually see a future with because I think I wasn't ready for that in my life. And then I started calling in, like, more of a life partner. And so I was, like, sure that Oscar was the one, and he felt the same way, too. Or, like, the one for, you know, for now. But, um I've always wanted to do wellness charters on boats because I chef on yachts and I love 
feeding people healthy, nutritious food. And I love taking people on like epic adventures and building community. But I find that from my experience in the yachting world, it's mostly about like just drinking and partying. And um, so I had this dream of having a catamaran where I can like invite people for more transformational journeys, kind of like the Colorado tribe that we're friends with who are into like personal growth and plant medicine and transformation, like getting those people on a boat because it's just really powerful to be in the water. So, all right. So Oscar also was into that vision and he's always wanted to sail around the world and so did I. I've like just always known I'm going to sail around the world someday. So we had this dream together of getting a boat and, um, but I had to come back to Colorado because all my stuff was here and he didn't ha- wasn't able to get a visa to come to the U.S. So I ended up leaving him in the Bahamas and coming to Colorado and, and that's when we met. That's when we met. Okay. Wow. This is awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm right on track. Mm-hmm. All right. Keep going. This is a fun roller coaster. <laughs> so when I came back here, I wasn't actually sure what was going to happen. Like if I would get a visa and come meet me in Colorado or if I would make my way back to the Bahamas. But I was sure that I wanted to explore this relationship. And he ended up meeting this guy, George, who salvages boats kind of a pirate-esque dude, and started working for him, like cleaning up boats that had been sunken and damaged by the hurricanes. So, yeah, um, George basically buys boats really cheap from the insurance companies and fixes them up or, or just cleans them up and then sells them for a lot more money. Pretty sweet business. And um, so starts working for him for the whole month that I'm here in Colorado, like, you know, moving out of this house into another house, into my car to drive across country to fly back to the Bahamas. Um, so as things are evolving, it seemed there's like a catamaran that Oscar really wanted to buy that seemed like the perfect one. It was like 42 feet, had four bedrooms and four bathrooms and seemed like um, George was going to give us a good deal on it. So I was like trying to figure out how I'm going to raise like $200,000 to buy this catamaran because <laughs> I don't have the money and um, Oscar didn't really have the money even though his family is very wealthy, I think. I don't, I don't know where he's at. But um, then it turns out that his brother was willing to lend him like $400,000 to like get the boat and start the business. So I was like, this is a dream come true. <laughs> I'm there. I'm psyched. So Did he tell you this before you left for Colorado? Um, I mean, before you left Colorado? I think it was a possibility when I was leaving Colorado. And it became, but then when you were with him... Then it became like this is the new truth in a way. Like yeah, y'all, are getting, then, y'all have a four hundred thousand um, dollar. Yeah, note. it never really. <laughs> truth is a funny part of this story. <laughs> like, but anyways, that, that was the impression that you were. Yeah, that was the impression under, that I was that you under. Were but under I don't know in the Bahamas. Yeah, when I got back to the Bahamas, okay. like there, okay. his brother was going to lend us his money for the boat, right, but cool. it never I'm actually. I'm happened. aiming to understand you, like from your shoes. So yeah, so I went into it figuring if the relationship doesn't work out, I can either fly home back to Rhode Island and, you know, start life over there, or I can go to my parents' house in Hopetown, which is now fixed. And I had started this um, podcast called Humans Heal, and I was like, I can just work from the air-conditioned boat doing my podcast, or I can work from house. So this seems like a little bit of a new, you know, to follow the story as an uh, investigative journalist as here as I am, there seems to, you just added a new theme into this story because you said, 
if this relationship doesn't work out. It didn't sound like you were questioning that before when you just like left everything in Colorado. <laughs> so I'm just wondering, was there a mo- what was the moment? Because I've gone through relationships that I really thought were working out and then they worked out in a new way. So I'm just wondering when you said, oh, if they don't work out, what made you, what, was there a pivotal moment to make you think that? Well, there was definitely some red flags. Like, so Oscar was not really into how open I was with love and connection. And like, you know, like I like to be naked as often as possible in nature. And um, like when I was back here, I went skinny dipping with my guy friends in the river. And like I do all the time. And that really upset him. Oh, <laughs> what river did you do that in? I'm curious. Uh, pretty much everyone. Okay. Okay. Or anyways, yeah, you, you're yeah, mermaid feet's definitely liberal in a lot of ways. I, and that's not at all political. I don't give a shite. I don't care about talking about politics right now, but uh, liberal in the sense that you're breaking normal. Like it doesn't seem like you're looking for other people's approval for how do you live your life. Mm, yeah. So like when you say you're skinny dipping in the rivers, I, I'm like, yeah, that's, I bet you are, but I'm more curious which river is just because I love, oh, I love all the river spots around um, here. The one on, well, Boulder Creek sometimes and yeah, the one okay. on Lee Hill, the, that river oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Church Mile. Yeah, left hand canyon in the way. Yeah, is that's that, my yeah. favorite one. Yeah, this area is I love it. I love I love studying how water flows out of the front range. So, anyways, that's the side note. You are um so uh, Oscar may have not liked this that you're yeah, so, doing this kind of stuff. And I talked to some of my other guy friends, and they're like, it's pretty normal for a guy not to want their girlfriend being naked around other men. And I'm like, you know, all right, maybe I did something I need to change about myself. And so I was like open to changing. And he also like isn't into plant medicines. He considers them all drugs. And so I was like, you know, maybe, maybe I don't need plant medicine more in my life, even marijuana. I was like, just really open to make some sacrifices for this relationship because it just <laughs> seems so right. And every time I tuned into my intuition, it was just like, go. Like, I felt like I was just pulled back to the Bahamas. There was no part of me really like question. Like I, even when I tried to question it, it was just like, yeah, this is, the right thing just go for it i like i like the story thus far and i'm following so so now y'all are together in the bahamas anticipating this loan for this new wellness ship of sorts Mm -hmm. yeah and it's funny you know i i have it's interesting i know two people that i was highly involved potentially with one like a conscious cruise ship in croatia they literally already paid us part of the money to go there and and help facilitate and be speakers didn't work out didn't work out uh, then my friend, who might be another future podcast guest, uh, Jules Schroeder. I'm not sure if you know her. She she had this whole thing, the um, entrepreneurship, and it was going to go through like the the, in, the somewhere in Europe, pretty in islands, starting in Rome. And then like COVID hit Rome so hard, and like oh shite, see we got to postpone that to the Patagonia. They were going to do Patagonia for this eclipse, oh, and then now like borders are shutting, so they canceled that. Oh, that sounds so cool. I want to get I on know. the entrepreneurship. I was, I was just talking last night to my friend about like, what if we like took one of the cruise ships? Cause now there's so many cruise ships out that are like just getting taken apart because of there's like, who's going to go on a cruise. But what if you like made an intentional community on a cruise ship? Yeah. A just, quarantine ship. Yeah. And just, Get everyone like, take a quarantine. COVID test and go out to see <laughs> yes. where there's no laws and you're like yes. free and you can. That's a quarantine. It's like a quarantine ship. Mm. Uh, interesting. All right. <laughs> we can get back to that mission. We'll go back to Jules. Well, maybe Jules will meet up with us before you head out to your next adventure. So, wow, wow. I, this is a lot. I wonder how many else people. I, I, th- I think a lot of people can keep up with this. You're keeping up with everything, aren't you? All right. So, to be continued. All right. So I get to the Bahamas and I'm staying on the catamaran with Oscar and George hasn't paid him yet. 
after he's been working there for like a month and a half. So that's kind of like seems a little fishy to me. And I'm like, this something doesn't seem right. And the plan was that we were going to move all of these boats um, for George to this other island because they've been stranded on this island. I wouldn't say stranded, but it feels like you're stranded because it's like the island's been destroyed by a hurricane. It's like an hour ride to the grocery store. And there's like no humans around and no hardware stores or anything like that. So the plan was to move like all 10 of these salvaged boats to Freeport, which ironically is this island that when I flew over it the last time, I looked down at this island and there was like a big oil refinery and it was just looked like the worst island I could, I've ever seen. And I asked the people on the plane, I was like, what island is that? Is that even part of the Bahamas? And they're like, that's Freeport. And I was like, I hope I never go there. <laughs> so that kind of foreshadowed. Wow. That's interesting too. Cause the, even the Freeport. word hope, even the word hope, I'm like, not, a, not my favorite word. I mean, I like it. It can be used. It can be used in a very powerful context, but especially to hope not. Yeah. That is, Somehow I think I accidentally created what I... Just like fancying myself as a linguologist, that would be one of my... If we ever write a book about this somehow, that that is one of the phrases. Like those are like the red flags. Yeah. I, I just listened to Matthew McConaughey's book, Green Lights. That's a that's a red light. Yeah. The, the, that's a great book not. too. If you're looking for a good audio book, <laughs> holy moly. One of my, I've listened to a lot. That's maybe one of my favorites. Oh, thanks for that. All right, so, so you got the uh, red light of Freeport, yeah. and, and you put it into the air, and now you're going there. And so, and also another part of it, Oscar hadn't yet paid me back for like, like the five hundred dollars plus some other money that I had lent him in the Bahamas before, or like before y'all are going to rescue these salvaged yeah. ten the boats. So I was like, but so this is interesting. So now Oscar here owes you money you're thinking about like what if things don't work out and now you have this initiation like invitation to are you gonna tow 10 boats at once how's this work to take 10 it was boats? a total shit show so like we ended up on this little like 30 foot sailboat with no mask we're like towing like two other boats with that that's bow. not no mask that's not a no mask <laughs> by the way that like for for people that don't know boats and sails and stuff can you explain that's not can you explain a little bit more what you just yeah, said yeah it's like the the tall stick that the sail goes to <laughs> that was not on the boat and um it like didn't have controls to like go forward and reverse you have to like go into the engine room and anyway so we i thought it would be like a one-day trip there and like one day back so we like packed up brought a little bit of food packed a bag and it took us three days to get there. And like at one point, like the all the control wires got sucked into the engine shaft and then it like was smoking and then it was just like so dramatic. Like the the boat we had to like stop the boat and the other and I had to tow the boats with this other boat and they got crashed into each other and it was just like <laughs> it was we were way in over our heads in terms of like our boating skills oh, and so how, how much money does this guy owe oscar at this point um he's supposed to be getting paid like 150 bucks a day for like a month and a half and so he hasn't been paid that for a month no and, and oscar is supposed to pay me once he gets paid by george and so i was just and then how much was this job gonna pay because it seems like overtime yeah this isn't no same thing uh, same, this is just like random was, regular day on the job if he was to hire someone else to do this it would have cost them a lot of money yeah this sounds like a, a specialized gig yeah Sounds like a repo person of sorts. But then the whole time, Oscar was telling George that he's going to buy this boat. So it was like kind of like you pay me, I pay you kind of thing. And I was like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I got stuck in this. But <laughs> then we finally 
get to Freeport and we're like out of food, out of water. And the island goes on lockdown, we find out. There's no boats, no flights off this island because there's been like five COVID cases and it's just totally shut down. And we still have to go back to the other island to get all the other boats and there's a hurricane coming in a week. And so we end up stuck living on this like moldy sailboat in this little canal next to some drug smuggler boats tied up to like some trees with some other, with the other boats. Um, and we were there for like, I don't know, five or six days. And that was, it was really hard because there was just no, no shelter from the sun on the whole trip for three days, nor really there. And it was hard to get water. And it was definitely a good experience of me struggling to have some of my basic needs met, which I am lucky, lucky to have not experienced that much in my life. And so finally we get permission from the government to go back to get the other boats like the day before this, or a couple days before this hurricane hits. So we take the speedboat. Um, Needing permission because COVID stuff? Yeah, because the island was on lockdown. So you weren't allowed okay, to Okay, so that. you needed permission to get these uh, boats, rescue these 11 salvage boats from the government because COVID, but you had to convince them because there was a hurricane coming? Yeah, because there's a hurricane okay. coming and they let us okay. leave the island to go get these And while, boats. in the meantime, you were living in the boat ghetto? Yes. I, I mean, I don't know much <laughs> about boat life, but it sounded like the ghetto of boat life. Yeah, it was. <laughs> so um, George had his boat at this, like, really nice marina, um, but they where they didn't really like him there because he like had these two dogs that he refused to leash and Bahamians are usually afraid of dogs. So I thought that once we bring the boats back, we would just be on our catamaran next to George's catamaran in this really nice marina and it'd be fine. We'd get through the hurricane and I can still do my work there and you know whether we get the boat or don't get the boat, it's all going to be good. And um, that didn't happen because by the time we finally get there towing another boat again, um, they kicked, they wouldn't let us stay in the marina because they didn't like George. So then we were desperately trying to find another place to put the boats during the hurricane. And the only option was hauling them out of the water. So we hauled them out in this boatyard, which is the one that I saw from the airplane right next to the oil refinery, right next to the cruise ship port. Um, and living on a boat out of the water is really no fun. Like the whole fun of living on a boat is that you're in the, surrounded by water and you can jump in the water toilets work, air conditioning works, and when you're out of the water, you don't have those amenities. And um, so I got an Airbnb to sit out the hurricane because it was, it was only like category one or two, but it went directly over the island. So we stayed in the Airbnb for the hurricane itself, and that was really nice. Um, and then we went back to staying at the boatyard. And meanwhile, I keep thinking like, okay, lockdown's going to end in like a week. Like, it can't be that bad because there's no air conditioning. The mosquitoes are terrible. The air quality is terrible from the oil refinery. I have an ear infection. I'm like miserable. I'm so confused because like, I don't know if we're buying this boat, if it's going to pay us, what is going on? I can't dive because I have an ear infection. So I can't even go in the water. So <laughs> I'm like, I was pretty and miserable. And the, the boat that you were wondering if you were buying, is that the one you were staying on currently? Yes. The situation, Man, the situation sounds rough, by the way. <laughs> It sounds like rough waters, but it's like paradoxically I, uh, it's suspended in the air. Yep. Okay. The, the boat you're living on is yeah, suspended it's, in the it's air. Suspended in the air. Yeah, okay. Wow. So it's like so the highlight of my days was to like walk the like twelve minutes to the air conditioned bathroom and like just lay on the bathroom floor and like 
get some fucking peace. <laughs> you mean like a local restroom, like a coffee shop's bathroom? No, or no, like, like the, the, um, the port. Well, so thing. the boatyard was like enclosed the boatyard, by. boatyard, that's what you call it. Yeah, so it was enclosed by like a fence. So it was kind of like being in prison. Yeah. Um, you could leave and like, we weren't supposed to leave, but we would go and like walk to the You weren't supposed beach. to leave because of quarantine. Yeah, because of quarantine. You were supposed to stay in that boatyard? Yeah. And who was it, who was anyone enforcing this or watching over this? No, but like if we got caught, you know, biking to the beach, we could have gotten in trouble. It's so <laughs> sketchy. I mean, not what you were doing is so sketchy. It's so sketchy that, like, all of a sudden, the world. Uh, there's humans that are willing to enforce upon other humans that you're not allowed in the ocean or yeah. you're not allowed at rivers. I'm it's, like, that is sketchy as so shit. Crazy. That's like as sketchy as like putting people in jail for throwing for smoking cannabis, for smoking a flower. <laughs> Anywho, anywho, so you all you were having you were finding grace by walking into an air conditioned bathroom, like. But that's what I'm saying. Was that like a coffee shop or a public restroom? No, it was like the, the restroom for the boatyard. Okay, okay, so that was a saving grace. Yeah. Your walk to the air. And I, like I, I understand. Like I've been in places with mosquitoes. The, my understanding, the worst place to be sometimes for mosquitoes is like above standing water. Yeah. I don't know what the water was like. Is this like in the ocean? Is it wavy? Are you at risk of hurricanes in this space? Yeah. Well, that one hurricane went right over us, and then there was always a risk of another one. But was there any, like, damage to that boatyard after that hurricane? Or In the Hurricane Dorian, there was, but this hurricane wasn't too bad. So okay. It was all, good. all right. So following this crazy adventure that you're on. Yeah. So, yeah, meanwhile, Oscar and I are, like, not really – getting along very well but it was very important for me to maintain the relationship because we finally got a little air conditioner like a house air conditioner for our bedroom and like if we broke up one of us would have to not sleep in the air conditioned bedroom which would be pretty torturous and I don't know we still really loved each other a lot but I was there's a lot of reasons why I was pretty sure it wasn't going to work out. I have a feeling most of the time this happens is for financial reasons, but for y'all it was for air conditioned reasons. Yeah. There's, just some, there's just something funny about that. Anyways, go ahead. So I'm getting stressed out because I'm paying for all of our food and all of our stuff with like my credit card because I'm out of money too. And like Oscar hasn't paid or um, George hasn't paid Oscar and Oscar hasn't paid me back. And it was just like, and I was trying not to worry, but I'm like getting more and more stressed and like, by the way, George seems so sketchy at this point in the story. <laughs> oh, yeah. By the way, like you can't go to the marina. He's not paying you. He's getting you to do the mission impossible. I'm just suspicious of um, George right now. Yeah. If I was, if, based on not knowing him, but only on the story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for a lot of reasons. It was, yeah, he was, had some a good side, but mostly very challenging human. And, um, so I'm also feeling nauseous and pretty sure that I'm pregnant, which happened to also be foreshadowed by another psychic who said that if you go to the if you sleep with Oscar on that boat, you're gonna get pregnant. So of course I brought with me like 50 condoms, and I was like, no way am I getting pregnant, and um, definitely didn't use the condoms enough, and so. All right, all right. Let's get, we're gonna take a little bi a little biology commercial break, is that, if that's okay with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that, you said no, it's not okay. No, it's cool. okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So my understanding for most women in a natural cycle, there's like a small fertile zone per month. Mm -hmm. Are you? Is that how your biology works? You believe? Yeah. So I got the app and I was like keeping track. 
but <laughs> I didn't do a good enough job of enforcing. Do you, does your uh, moon cycle or bleeding or period, however someone can understand this, come at this consistently? Yeah, it's on the new moon every, every new moon. It comes on every new moon. Mm -hmm. So meaning, and my understanding is that like pretty much like day 13 to 14, 15, 16 is probably your, that's where you can really get someone pregnant if you're really trying. Yeah. <laughs> if you're really trying. So when I'm, uh, when you said you brought all these condoms. They don't uh, work if you don't use them. <laughs> okay. So you're saying, okay. Okay. But was there any awareness that like, so for instance, when Deanna and I were in a, um, a marriage, well, I was very aware. It's like, oh, day 13, day 14. And I could tell, I could tell like physically, I could tell um, in different ways. I could even tell how my body would react. Was there, did y'all ever like think like, oh, this is day 14, this is dangerous, or that was never even a thought? I mean, I was keeping track, but he wasn't so much. And um, yeah, it, I would definitely like to date a guy in the future who is more aware and in tune and <laughs> able to control more. Well, I, I'm, not, I'm not claiming to be that guy. I'm, <laughs> no, just, I'm not saying you, but like, yeah. like that. Like, well, I'm, just not, <laughs> I'm not claiming like, about, I, I'm wondering about for yourself, like, did you. Was that ever across your mind? <laughs> um, yeah, like I was paying attention to like where I was in my cycle, but I guess it's sometimes, yeah, hard to put a condom on when it feels so good not to, you know? <laughs> it's, like, it's dangerous. But. Yeah. So do you, this is, all right, this is where we can also edit things out. Yeah. All right. So if you want to, <laughs> um, I, I find it very fascinating. There's like, this is such a huge conversation. So I'm trying to build around a lot of personal context around it. Were y'all like, so for instance, like between day 13, I'm going to just personalize it for myself. When yeah. I was with Deanna, between day 13 and 16 or so, whatever it was, we would be like, I would at the, probably the, at, the, at least pull out mm -hmm. and or not take the risk. Yeah, uh, we, we'd always pull out. Okay, like, so you but, think you got pregnant potentially from... A not a, from a pulling out? Yes. Oh, you think so? Yeah. That's why I think that was a long way of asking that. But I think like <laughs> that's a pretty important question. I know a lot of people are out there, they're probably wondering all the details of this. So Yeah, I think if you use the pull out method, but anytime you're in the dangerous part of the cycle, you make sure you use a condom and don't even risk the pull out method, you're probably safer. But if you use pull out method during the whole time, there's definitely risk of pregnancy. Yeah, I think what happened with Deanna and I, because it wasn't like, oh, we're getting pregnant this time. For me, my perspective was like, oh, if I'm having sex with Deanna, then I am ready to be a dad. That was, that's like my personal mm -hmm. perspective on it. And, um, and I haven't, I, I'm not saying I've upheld that perfectly throughout my life, but that was a nice ethic to think of, especially when I'm married and I have no interest in being unfaithful. Yeah. Um, but we, we didn't get pregnant thinking like, oh, this was the time we're getting pregnant. It was, I think what had happened was I probably finished probably around like day 10. So it was then it became for us, it was like a question of like, oh. <laughs> because we only, I, like when she told me she was pregnant, I was like, wait a minute. That was like one of our least sexually active months ever. So I was like, <laughs> what the f There's not, no, I was like, you're not, how are you pregnant? That's what my first reaction was like, how can you even be pregnant? And then she, it was like, remember in the sound studio, like the cannabis farm in Oregon, that was what happened. And I'm like, uh. I was like, that was like day nine or 10. And she's like, yeah. So uh, even though we were aiming to <laughs> honor specific boundaries, like thinking like, oh, it would take like day 13 or 14 or 15 on purpose. 
I think it happened. At the end, I would like to check in with Deanna about that. But that was my personal story around that. That makes sense. It's also really interesting to hear your surprise reaction because so Oscar had a similar reaction when I told him. He was, well, at first he said, I'm, I'm not ready for that. And I was like, perfect, me neither. I'm getting an abortion. Um, oh, that- yeah, oh, yeah. And I want to make sure because I am not at all undermining your truth. But mm-hmm. like for me, I was I, right when I, Deanna reminded me of the sound studio, then I broke down. And realize, like, I actually, I was sick actually for, I had morning sickness leading up to this. Oh. And this is the craziest shit. I woke up like around 5 or 6 a.m. and puked all day, like, puked all morning. And then finally, I was like out in the sun and I'm like, I feel better. I feel better. And then I was like, You feel better? I have something to tell you. And then she told me that my first reaction was like, What? And then the second reaction was a complete breakdown and I became a new person. Wow. I became a dad <laughs> immediately. And that was like the, yeah, like the happiest, one of the happiest, fullest, saddest, all emotions, but really most joyous moment in my life. Um, it was just surreal. It was like a rebirth. It was another initiation. So <laughs> I want to make sure that people don't, because it sounds like we had very different experiences. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so that's mine. But when you found out and he found out, y'all both sound like y'all may have had an opposite reaction. Yeah, so I kind of knew that I was pregnant for a little while, but like just through muscle testing and just knowing my own body. Um, but in did you ever think about getting a pregnancy test or was that? Well, you can't get a pregnancy. It's not accurate until like a couple of days after your missed period. Okay. Oh, so, so you, this was before your missed period you're saying you knew? Yeah. Yeah. I knew. Oh, wow. Before your missed period. Yeah. Like, within like a month. My body. I, That's like, pretty impressive. That something was different. Mm-hmm. And um, so where are we at? <laughs> you, you know, okay, so you're pregnant. Was, you're pregnant. All so that sudden. was like the worst day of my life. It was a funny day because so I told him and um. And of course, he also didn't quite believe me. He like wanted me to go to a doctor's office to get a real test or something. So that I felt very insulted by. But it's nice to know that that's kind of a com- maybe a common reaction is like disbelief at first. Um, Mine was more a logistical disbelief because I literally thought I was like, "Did we even have sex in the last month?" Or like, <laughs> how the fuck? Like all this, and then she's like reminding me, like, "Oh yeah." And I, funny enough, on my once again side personal note, I had gorged on a plum tree that night. It was like the ripest. <laughs> it was like literally a, a tree that was orgasming plum fruits. Whoa. I literally probably ate about the flesh of like fifty of those ovaries that night. <laughs> Not the next day is what happened. Just want to say. Yeah, it was a a few days before that we had found this puppy um, at this house. It was kind of a funny experience. We were like collecting beach glass on the beach, and this car drove by, and they were. This guy was like, "We've got a lot of beach glass at our house. Like, you should come over and get it." And I was like, "Okay." So we like went to this random Bahamian guy's house and get this beach glass. And there's this cutest little puppy there that like looked like it was dying, and I guess all seven of its siblings had all died um, from parasites or, were, or no, the mom was poisoned by the neighbors and then all the puppies died except for this one little puppy named, oh. which we named Bailey. Shit, that makes me mad. Why yeah. was it the dog poisoned by the neighbor? I have like a, a thing of like, like I'm mad about certain, like poisoning canines. Historically, that's a sick story to tell. I don't want to yeah. get into it, but how humans have poisoned coyotes, not successfully, wolves very successfully. And then I, I'm just like, oh, I got all mad about that yeah. story. <laughs> but you're saying there's this remaining little here, puppy. Yeah. So I fell in love with this puppy, and it was really beautiful because I was able. This was right bef- a week before I found out that I was officially pregnant, or officially found out <laughs> I was pregnant. Um, I got to channel all of this mothering energy into this puppy. A week after you found out, before we found the pup, found the puppy before. Oh, a week 
before unofficially you found out or officially you found out? <laughs> so it was bef- a week before I officially found out I was pregnant. We found this puppy. But you already thought you were pregnant. I at thought this I was. Point. Okay. Um, Oscar didn't know. So. Oh, Oscar didn't know. The reason I'm asking all these questions is because Deanna, when we were in Oregon, basically we went from Portland to Bend impregnation or fertilization or whatever sex happened in Portland. Then we went to Bend and we went to Bend. Deanna had this insatiable craving for a puppy. (laughs) Um, And my mom sends us a picture of Araya, of the the litter, of this new litter my my grandma's dog just had like six months after my grandma passed away. And then she sent a picture of Araya. And then I sent that, I'm like... Because Deanna wanted a pit bull puppy, and I'm like, this is a pit bull puppy. So we flew to Georgia. No and then when I, when I started flying there, when we started like going on the trip, Deanna was like, this is not fair. You're like taking a kid to a candy shop. And then um, we got there, and we knew, like, Araya. Everyone knew. It was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's we're, we're your human, Araya. She's watching me closely right now. And then we went to JP's house and that, and, uh, to stay with him with our puppy that was pissing all over the place that Deanna started puking all over the place because she had morning sickness. Oh. That's when I found out we had a puppy at JP's house. And Deanna told me on the deck when I was like sitting there, I think naked, after puking all morning myself. Wow, so funny. A puppy puking <laughs> connection. I know. Is this like, what, is that going to be like the title? Like, <laughs> pregnant puking puppies. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> dot dot dot. Perfect. <laughs> Anyways, all right. So you gotta. You so, uh, knew, but this was. This is like. That's why it's so opposite. We have like such different stories. Yeah. Like we both didn't even know Deanna was pregnant at that point, and you knew you. You thought you. You I thought, thought I was you were pregnant, pregnant but, but I hadn't. I hadn't taken a pregnancy test yet. But Oscar didn't know. Yeah, Oscar didn't know yet because I hadn't. hadn't you, he didn't know that you had a hunch. Test. Um, I kind of mentioned it, but it was like, yeah, he, we didn't. We didn't think I was pregnant. At one point, though, he said that you, he wants you to go to a professional test, right? That was that. So we, we got the puppy, and then a week oh, later, I took the pregnancy test. And then, yeah, and he was like, I want you to go to the doctor and get a real test. I was like, this is pretty accurate. Oh, you mean you did a pee test, and he still wanted a real test? Yeah. Oh. Which I never ended up doing, because it was, oh, it was okay. obvious. Yeah, when I got the pee test, I was, from my understanding, I was like, that's real. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's, like, false negatives but not false positives something like that yeah so anyways y'all found out you're pregnant holy moly so, but yeah. and he's still like in shock that like let's go get even more tests than a p-test but it was then i think it settled in that y'all are pregnant yeah and we both want to have kids and want to have kids together someday we like talked about it it just like wasn't the right time in life and um so say, having this puppy was like the highlight because i'd been pretty miserable and like trying to find flights back to the u.s and there's no flights and so we have this little puppy that's like dying and we like bring it to we bring it to the vet and I was like raking it and just like it was just really special bonding with this puppy and we saved this puppy's life and um so then I scheduled an abortion in Rhode Island for September 4th because you can't do that in the Bahamas it's 10 years in prison for women who try to abort babies in the Bahamas which is really frustrating and sad that that's a thing so very grateful to I mean I don't know. I, I know abortion is so crazy and some laws are so crazy. I, I agree. I agree that, that like overall is a crazy ass law. I just have to like let that settle in. It just depends on who I'm talking to that believes in other laws to understand the conversation. Mm-hmm. Like, well, do you believe someone should be in ten years for prison for having mushrooms? Yeah. 
or LSD or ganja? Or what about a drunk driver? What about like a drunk, like a 16 year old girl that's drunk? I interviewed someone that was, uh, when she was 16, she was the driver of a drunk driving accident and she, the other driver died. And she spent, I think, three or four years in like certain types of prison systems as a 16 year old. I'm like, is that ridiculous? I mean, so it's just like, I didn't know that what's crazy is I, my jaw was dropping because I'm like, I didn't ever, I didn't know that. In the Bahamas, there's a 10 year yeah. prison sentence for abortion. Mm-hmm. Whoa. That's very different than the United States. Yeah. I heard a crazy statistic. I'm not trying to, someone can fact check this. I'm actually simply asking. Is it possibly true that more Americans were aborted than people that died of COVID last year? I heard that. That was oh, probably by far. I mean, I think not to get too political or anything, but like the one thing that the world doesn't need is more unwanted babies. Like it's unwanted children that end up having really rough lives and end up like being I don't know. Not I mean, there's plenty of unwanted babies who have beautiful lives. But I think that I don't know. <laughs> I'm really grateful that that's an option to to have a child or not have a child once you're pregnant, and that's not an option in a lot of the world. Well, it is always an option. Just like living is always an option. Like someone can live or die right now who's listening to this. That's always an option. But it's not. An, if you're pregnant and you're in a country like the Bahamas, you can't get an abortion. You have to have that baby. There's no. There's no option. There's no. I looked up. I spent so much time researching natural ways to abort babies. And what about just, black market ways? That's not always available. You yeah, I'm just wondering if you researched that. Um, yeah, I did a little bit, <laughs> but I, I was pretty sure that I could get back to America. Yeah, I don't do think it's sketchy. necessarily an option. I just think there's like a, there's, yeah, people, all right, so long story short, I think the, the name is infanticide because we're getting in a very like ethical, not you said political. I think it's more like oh, yeah, a, more ethical. Yeah. Not yeah like political. An ethical. And it is, it is tied highly to politics. People will leverage, people leverage this ethic called mm-hmm. like, and I think it's like the meme is pro choice or pro life. Yeah. Um, I don't get too involved in that game of the political division, but I understand what they're getting at. And, there, the reality, regardless of someone's pro-choice or pro-life, if I, and funny, one of my best friends who's now the LADA is arguably the smartest person I've known. He is one of the greatest debaters I've ever known. And he has, he is pro, like abortion, he's pro-life. And he wrote mm-hmm. like 20 page paper about it. And I kind of feel the same way. Like if I had to choose an ethic on abortion, like for, for political, since you mentioned that, for a political agenda, I would choose a law favoring pro-life um but i would probably need to write a 20-page paper about it to explain why yeah (laughs) (laughs) but i want and that i knowing my understanding from my research of history especially tribal history is like infanticide has been a quite common theme what's infanticide um i believe i don't i don't know if they would do it abortion wise but like basically my understanding is for a certain tribe to survive if there was a baby that was born that could potentially risk the well-being of the overall tribe, they had a, there was a, a social norm where that baby was gone. Gone, gone. In a variety of ways. Hmm. Not, 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 not only in the mother's belly, even after it's out of the mother's belly. Okay, there's definitely like ways of like spiritual abortions and stuff. I know I'm saying they would literally kill the child. Oh. 
yeah, they would kill it because it, it, even after it was born. Oh, even after it was born. Yeah, I mean, wow. and someone yeah. can look this up, but like, there's some great books written around about it. Some one of my acquaintances that I've talked to social, like on social media, which I'm excited to get an interview as well, like uh, Christopher Ryan, who wrote Civilized to Death and like Sex at Dawn, and then. Uh, you can go to any of those Homo sapien, sapiens from Nuval. What's that guy's name? Do you know that? Have you read Sapiens or Homo Deus or any of those books? No, but I've heard of them. Yeah, these are all great resources for someone that wants to do more research on infanticide and abortion before it was a uh, before it was a political actually uh, before it was anything to do with politics. Um, so I just want to say that even though my choice is pro life, and I would love to maybe one day write a twenty page paper about that, I'm happy to answer any questions that you have. Um, it sounds like you're maybe on the other side of that coin and that's fine and you have a story about that and um, I just want to make sure I'm clear where I am since it's more of an ethical thing yeah than a political like I thing wonder for me. if you would think the same way if you happen to get your girlfriend pregnant yeah. in high school and like how that would have maybe changed your life if you well I yeah so it's as context so I did uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I did I did cross a moral boundary in a way and had sex before I was married and I'd mm -hmm. had sex with one person actually before I was married for a few days. And oh, then I decided, I was like, nah, I kind of went back to the ethic, like not ready for a child. Don't want to take the risk. Not, that's not for me. It's yeah. in sexual intercourse specifically. So that's where I drew the line. Interesting. So is that a religious? Uh, I think there's religious like uh, influence to it. But if I was in the court system, we're trying to get a political uh, change like if i was like arguing between like the bahamas policy versus the united states policy i would say the ethic is like that, that that's my chosen ethic but if i'm not willing to have a child with the woman i'm having sex with the sexual intercourse with the way where the consequence could be pregnancy then that might be an ethical boundary just like i might yeah. not be willing to steal well, from someone I, if all men thought that way <laughs> then i think we wouldn't need abortions like that's that's a beautiful thing if if all men only had sex with women that they would be willing to father the children of. And I'm, I haven't, I'm awesome. not saying I've done that hundred percent, Yeah, but, but I have like done, pre, I think I've done much better than the norm. Yeah. And it's interesting. Like this is such a huge topic. I recently listened to the Kanye West episode on Joe Rogan. I don't know if you heard that at all, mm -hmm. but I, I, but anyways, he, he wants to run for president. He may have even been on the ballots <laughs> this year. And I was actually thinking like, if I voted, I would probably vote for Kanye. He's been the most inspiring out of all the other puppets that I can yeah. see, I don't know if I consider Kanye a puppet more. I consider him like um, a creator. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the biggest topics of the conversation was that, like Kanye thinks, like one of the biggest issues in the world is, and a lot of people, great thinkers think that, it's just like the, I guess the lack of, or the absence of responsibility around sexual consequences. Yeah. And also, like, so many women are on birth control that it's guys are trained to be able, you know, to come in women all the time because most women, like, I was, so a little backstory, I was prescribed birth control at age 16 for, like, my acne, like, before I was even sexually active. And that is a whole nother rabbit trail. Look into it. Why are women prescribed birth control for their acne? Yeah. Anyways, go ahead. So, I the birth control made me gain 20 pounds a year for four years. And then when I got to college, I got a... Um, pulmonary embolism and blood clot and almost died. So basically... Birth control, you're saying? Yes, yeah, so the birth control almost killed me. Well, yeah. And, I, and now I'm going to be borderline concerned of how many messages you or and I might receive, how someone might have a similar story. Yeah. It's similar to when uh, Deanna and I finally like did a video about when we were... Do we do vaccinate Davina or not? 
Mm-hmm. Just like, we, I gave, I thought I gave such the perfect politically correct answer, which was, but in no, we don't. <laughs> and I thought it was such great context, but people were so angry. Oh my God. They were so angry. And, and then some people, this was the craziest part. We got so many private messages. How many people said like, thank, they thanked us so much and they had horror stories that they weren't sharing to anybody. They were scared to share them publicly. Wow. So now I'm like remembering a future where someone's going to tell you something about like, yeah, when I was on birth control, blah, 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 blah. So that's why I'm telling people, look into it, look into it. It's not the main point of this podcast necessarily, but look into the ridiculousness of it. Yeah. I mean, to take hormones that make a 16-year-old body think that it's pregnant all the time, like, like makes a lot of young girls and women like crazy and have depression and gain weight and just all sorts of things. So... Yeah, so I'm very pro-abortion because I don't, I think, like, personally, I would rather have, like, four or five more abortions in my life than die from birth control or be, like, you know, messed up. From, and I don't, I don't plan to. I, like, would like to, when, if, when I get pregnant again, have a, have a baby at the right time. Right <laughs> yeah, place, and they don't have to saying, be. They don't have, it doesn't have to be one or the other. Yeah, no. it doesn't have to be one or the other, but, saying. like, I'm just really grateful that I'm not on birth control anymore and... Um, yeah, I would love to support other young women in finding alternative ways to balance hormones and, and not get pregnant if that's your goal because the, even the, like, um, IUDs and stuff, like, those, like, my body pushed that out and it caused inflammation. Like, there isn't, it's really sad. We don't really <laughs> have Tell a us more. Way. What do you mean? What, what is, you said IUD, right? Yeah, it's like a form of birth control that's, like, a non-hormonal that, or the copper one. They have one that's copper, so it's, like, Literally, they, they put it to block. To block the sperm. From yeah, I've heard horror stories about that crap, yeah, too. so bad. And they, when, every wow. time you go to the doctor, they just want to put you on, a, on one of those things. So, so crazy. And, like, it's why crazy don't men have world. to go on birth control? Well, what I really appreciate, I want to thank you for, like, you know, even though it's the counter, like, I think most things we highly agree upon, and it sounds like mm-hmm. we might have, like, an ethical, like, um, what is it called? Like an ethical bump or an ethical, uh, one of the two things bump (laughs) anyways. And that's awesome. Like that's to me to, to realize that every person I come in contact with, we probably don't think the same on everything Mm -hmm. and I can still connect with them. Even if they don't think the same about God, sex, abortion, whatever taboo the topic of the day is Trump, whatever that there's like something bigger than just group thinking. I think that's heart sync. And I think uh, it's very valuable for me to listen to someone that has a different ethical stance on something and to even celebrate the different ethical stance. And for us to also be able to have a, not only a, a compliant conversation, but I would say a very synergis- synergistic conversation. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Thank you for doing this with me. Yeah, thank you. The opportunity to be you know, honest about all this and... I think that's the biggest issue on this topic is that so many people are, it's like so taboo that so many people feel like they can't talk about it, uh, much less publicly, yeah. but it may be to the people that are the most important to talk to yeah. it about. <laughs> I think you'd be surprised how many women have had abortions that you know and may never know that they have. And, Check you know. this out. I did, I've done a retreat, everything. I'm going to keep anonymous, just like we've kept the names as long as our epic podcast editor, Casey, <laughs> does his uh, joy of being correctly. Uh, but I've had, like, I do remember specifically one of the most impactful confessions at a retreat. We do these confession sessions in the beginning, beginning of the retreat. So I've heard a variety. I've heard a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff so much, though, that I think it's pretty healthy for people to see me, like, so unreactive. 
because they thought it was like the biggest deal in the world. And I'm like, yeah, I heard that like eight times last retreat. <laughs> and that's cool. Like not to undermine it at all. But I do, re- I, I do remember one of like the most enlightened, we used enlightened earlier, enlightened persons I've ever met. Her big confession was like basically her dad doesn't even know that she's had an abortion before. Oh, yeah, my parents don't know either. <laughs> she probably, that, probably was like tell twenty them or thirty years. Comes out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Good idea. And uh, I trust you know that conversation will be beautiful. Yeah. And connected. I mean, my mom has. I think she's had four abortions, and like my dad's had girlfriends who have had abortions. <laughs> now they're gonna be like, like "Why'd you tell? Should like, we edit out your mom? Yeah. <laughs> Is your mom gonna be okay with you saying?" And so that's the way I think of it. If my mom didn't have four abortions before me, I wouldn't exist. Like she wouldn't. She wasn't about to have. That's a, that's a whole nother fascinating like maybe topic it was right there. That goes back into like the tribalism and infanticide norm. Yeah. So I'm just really grateful that I was born at a time when my parents were able to give me a really blessed, really beautiful life. And if it was me that was coming in as my spirit earlier, it would have, you know, maybe been a more challenging life and, or maybe it was a different spirit. I don't know, but I'm just super grateful for the right to, for, of abortion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I hear that. That's a whole, that's like an angle I haven't ever heard. So I, that's a cool <laughs> one. But it kind of also reminds me like, well, you could say like, and I do think the same thing. I do think the same thing on the counter side. It's like, man, I'm so happy. <laughs> Let's just talk about the people I mentioned. Like Matthew McConaughey and Kanye West weren't aborted. Yeah. And I wonder if their moms thought about it. Maybe. I think a lot of, I think it's a question for a lot of people, but, you know, maybe they wouldn't exist because if their moms maybe had a bunch of abortions before and if they had those kids, they wouldn't have had Kanye West. <laughs> I you know, know, it's all, <laughs> it's, that's where the conversation gets quite cosmic and I appreciate that because some people get so convicted about it that they're like willing, they're willing to condemn others and worse. Yeah. Because this, this, this And then there's difference. so many situations where it's like, you know, if someone's like raped by their own father, do they have to have that baby? Yeah, those are those like- are the extreme situations that I believe like a twenty-page dissertation deserves. But yeah, I think a lot of people will jump immediately to that one, and I'm like, well, that's not where most babies are being. No, born. but <laughs> there are a lot of a lot of rape situations where women and get pregnant, and I can imagine having. It's one thing to have a, a law that enforces yeah. that, like a ten-year prison law. Yeah, yeah, I would right. say that. I would also argue that's unethical. You know. I saw that. I mean, I'm not. I'm not here to talk about making laws tonight. <laughs> did we? Did, where were we with the whole story? <laughs> right. gracious. So we'll get back to the story. So there's no flights, but I figured that by September 4th, there's going to be Southwest is supposed to start flying, and I'm going to be able to get back home. And I had no intention. Like I wasn't intending to break up with Oscar, even though I was like, you know, questioning whether it was going to work out, but. I really wanted to experience a relationship in like a normal situation where we're not like stuck in a boat in a boatyard with like, it was just a crazy situation. And like, we never got to experience each other around any other people besides my parents and um, George and um, his girlfriend. So there's, so I'm like starting to get anxious because September 1st comes and they're like, there's no South, there's no flights. And it's, it'd been like two weeks by then that I was like trying to get back to Rhode Island and I, we finally like go to the airport and I just start like asking around like begging like is there anyone with planes like flying anywhere because like I need to get back to Florida somehow like as soon as possible so I finally get a flight on the third so I arrive at midnight the night of the third 
or uh, morning of the fourth for my appointment at like 6 a.m. the next day. And I like, so I'm driving to my appointment and Oscar is like, I'll be, I'll be there for you all day. Like, don't worry, like call me, like I'll be there for you during the whole thing. He was like being super sweet and supportive, even though like he, he agreed to our decision, but I think like some part of him was um, definitely, you know, sad about it. And meaning being there like in person? No, no, like on the phone. On the phone, like, okay, okay, cool. Because he so, was still in. Uh, yeah, so we talk on the phone like right before my appointment and then I get there and I forgot my shoes. <laughs> it's 5.30 in the morning and I'm in front of Planned Parenthood with all these protesters and I have no shoes in my car. Like, no, flip, just, I haven't been wearing shoes for months. <laughs> Didn't wow, occur to it's me like to shoes. mermaid. <laughs> mermaid problem. Be, like, be, this is like, if there was like a timeline, it would be like, if your life, this would be one of them, <laughs> yeah. the, the moments. Yeah, so I like, I text Oscar, because it's kind of hilarious, and he didn't respond and meanwhile the like Planned Parenthood people are trying to figure out what to do and they end up bringing me socks and like letting me in and I'm like calling him and still no answer so I'm like feeling a little stressed out because like we were just talking on the phone and now he's not answering so I have to go through the whole paperwork process and the whole you know process in there and um and he's still not responding and I'm like messaging him like do you want me to change my mind like we can think we can talk about this we can like reconsider this like I don't have to do this right now. Like, what is going on? Why aren't you responding? No answer. So, like, the experience itself in Planned Parenthood is, like, quite beautiful. And, like, like the, the surgical abortion is just, like, you know, it hurts for a second. And it's, like, not that bad. And it's just, like, I don't know. I just was feeling, like, so much gratitude to just be there and have that right. And then, so I get home, still no answer. And I, like, try to sleep a little bit. And he... Finally, at like 10.45 in the morning, he was like, text me. And he's like, sorry, babe, my phone died. Or like his phone, he just woke up because his phone was charging elsewhere. So like the most challenging part of that experience for me was like the emotions of like him not responding and not so much. The like Yeah, well, I want to make sure of some things just for my own peace of mind or not. Um, so you're saying that was y'all, you were, y'all were both under the belief and agreement that this was the best thing to do. Yeah, we both decided that. And a part that I should, I guess, share, that was a really beautiful experience. So I was super, like, sick, like, had morning sickness every day, like, nauseous, like, feeling terrible. And then a few days after, maybe even a week after, I found out I was pregnant officially. Um, I asked Oscar to, like, do a little ceremony with me where we connected with the spirit of the baby. And I put we both had our hands on my tummy and just like asked the spirit like hey like you know thanks for coming in like we're not ready for you like we'd love to bring a baby into the world just not now so like just trying to make peace with the spirit because before that I like had this feeling in my body not the excited feeling that most women probably get when they're pregnant if they want to have the baby it more felt like a parasite growing inside me like something he implanted in me that was like growing like a parasite and which is a very weird feeling. And so after we did that little ceremony, I had no more nausea. Like all of my symptoms went away. It was like the, there was just like peace in my body and like peace with, with Oscar and just, yeah, it was pretty, pretty cool that I, I didn't expect to have like a, such a dramatic result from that little spiritual connection with the spirit, with the consciousness of the being. Um, so yeah, he was on board. Like it was, it was sad for both of us, more sad that, like, I had to leave and that 
we didn't know when or if we'll ever see each other again. And what a scary text to send, I imagine, though. Are you sure about this? And then you went ahead and did it. Yeah, because he wasn't responding. I didn't know it. <laughs> yeah, though, I mean, you, that you went there specifically for that appointment. Yeah. But it's amazing. It, it, kind of, it reminds me, in a way of, for whatever reason, like the epitome of the Bible or the New Testament, when God is, or Jesus is on the cross, and God, why have you forsaken me, even though he prophesized it happening? Mm. And it's like you being there and then being like, are you not sure? <laughs> and, like, and there's another Bible story about that too, where Joseph is like going to sacrifice his son and then he gets stopped by God. Um, it's just such a mythical story in a way. Yeah, I've never read the Bible, so I don't uh, know. Never at all. <laughs> never at all. I grew oh, up with absolutely some, no religion. There's some good stories in the Bible. I mean, there's some good stories in a lot of all the religious texts. A lot of, a lot of I think... I've heard it. Oh, there's this great guy, Neville Goddard. For someone that's never read the Bible, have you heard Neville Goddard? Neville Goddard. Um, he has he has a great view, I think, and he believes it's like the treasure map to the soul, and that it's meant to be read symbolically and metaphorically, so that you can understand like the archetype of who you are and when you are that. Um, that makes sense. That's been, that was it. This is at one minute and 11, I mean, one hour and 11 minutes is my break normal. But I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. Let me see. <laughs> a lot of it will have to get cut so, off. So, yeah. Yeah. Name. Yeah. That's true. That's true. All right. So, yeah, we're keeping names anonymous, guys, and girls, and pets, and <laughs> germs. One of my previous podcast guests thinks that, um, my interpretation is that our gut bacteria is making our decisions. Oh, that's so, I want to honor the germs, too. Um, <laughs> All right, all right, all right, all right. So there you are, done. Yeah, so done. So, yeah, I guess he, like, charged his phone outside and fell asleep because he was tired. you believe so. that? That just seems unbelievable to me, if he knew the time. Yeah. Did he know I think the time? He, I think he actually did, but I was, I was feeling, <laughs> like, disrespected because I if he really he cared, he probably would have made a point to make sure he was present during that time, and I think... He, and he said that he was crying. He cried himself to sleep. So I do. I feel bad, but I also like that was would have really meant a lot to me if he was in communication during that experience. Um, but c'est la vie. So, anyways. Now, are you here now? So, <laughs> like, the crazy. you're in Florida, and then like, what? I'm just, I'm just aiming to get through the catch up. Yeah. So and that's a big one, and I think I'm, I'm excited for everyone that surfs this wave with us. Yeah. So. The crazy thing is that now I, I have the catamaran and I'm about to go sailing just in a totally different way. So I'll try to make this part of the story look kind of concise. But while I was in the Bahamas um, with Oscar going through all this, you know, hard times, um, I got connected with this woman, Annie, who is a friend of a friend who owns a bunch of land in Costa Rica. And I've always wanted to build a community in Costa Rica. And she apparently had just bought a catamaran kind of like almost the same as one we wanted to buy. And she was like, why don't you guys just run wellness charters on my boat instead of buying the boat from George? Because things are falling apart with George and it's expensive. Yeah, blah, that, blah, sounds blah. Like a, so, that sounds like it. So that was like, like a potential. And so she, she had bought a boat just to get to Costa Rica. Her story is long and incredible and I won't get into it now. But she ended up getting diagnosed with breast cancer and she was, she's been healing it alternatively and the guy who she hired to be the captain wasn't really into her you know, having all the supplements and all the things on the boat. And so I told her, you know, fire your captain and we'll be your captain. Or if Oscar and I don't stay together, at least I'll help you find another captain. 
So I felt this obligation to to fly down to Florida and meet her because she seemed like a really interesting person. And I like told her that I would help her find a captain and felt like I wanted to support her in that process. So I flew down to Florida and met her and stayed on the boat and met the captain who she was firing. And he told me she, she was just not comfortable being on the boat by herself. So, and it wasn't comfortable for her to be on the boat with this captain. So I basically um, stayed on the boat with her for two weeks because I'm really comfortable with boats, even though I don't, like I still need to get my captain's license renewed. But so anyways, I was like the chances of finding, of me helping her find a captain are pretty good. Like I'm pretty sure through my network and just online we can find like a, a higher vibrational captain who might be cool with her modalities. But I was like, chances of finding a captain that's someone else I want to sleep with is <laughs> pretty low. So I had, I broke up with Oscar uh, while I was on the boat with her in Florida because he was just, there was just too much disconnect with like, he was not comfortable with me hanging out with any of my friends. He was just really jealous and, and it just wasn't going to work out long distance. He wasn't able to get his visa until like potentially January. And, um, it just, I had to end it. And, and I think he felt, he felt the same way. So anyways, I was like, the chances of me finding her a captain are pretty good, but the chances of being somebody else that I want to sleep with is pretty slim. So I like posted on my Facebook that we're like looking for a captain and told a little bit about the story. And this guy messages me back who this guy that I met in Hawaii three years ago when I was sailing around the Hawaiian islands and ended up in the harbor in Maui and like saw this really handsome guy with a man bun drive out and a dinghy to his boat. And I like jumped in the water and like swam over to meet him. And his name was um, Neil. And, and I was just like, wow, like, <laughs> or, sorry, I had to do a name change there. So I'm like, um, his, his, like Neil is, the, is not his real name. Um, I did a good job. <laughs> but it threw me off in my story. So he like took me kiteboarding and we just had a really good time together and like haven't really stayed in touch again very much over the last few years. So he had lost his job in Hawaii because of COVID and he's way overqualified for the job and just like super high vibe, really awesome person. So he ended up flying in to be her captain. So now he's on the boat and I don't know if we're going to like be romantic or not, but he's just like a good, a good person. Just, um, yeah. So I'm like psyched to, so now Annie and and I, and another person yet to, we don't know who yet, are going to all sail Annie's boat to Costa Rica um, if, you know, if countries' borders are open and we're, we can. Because everything in boating is always weather dependent, but now there's also the, like, what countries can you even go to thing. So. And you're going to sail her boat to Costa Rica with the intention, and for what? Um, so she's got land and family in Costa Rica, and... She bought the boat literally as a ride to Costa Rica when there were no flights. So she didn't really know what she was going to do with the boat, but um, she loves the idea of doing wellness charters on the boat. So um, Neil and I, or if, if there's another captain, I don't know if he's going to stick on for the whole time, but we're going to run like surf charters and wellness charters on her boat in Costa Rica uh, once, once we get there. So I just flew to Costa Rica last week with her to check out the land and check out the marinas and we found this marina on the west coast in Golfito next to the Osa Peninsula and it's just magical magical place so we're going to be doing surf charters and wellness charters out of there when or if we ever get there <laughs> which so the plan is to either go we're leaving on the 15th to go around the point of Florida to then either through the Bahamas and down the Caribbean and across to the Panama Canal or across over to the Yucatan and down the east coast of Central America through the Panama Canal 
so that's that's what's up next in my life. <laughs> so I still get to, to do my dream, but um, not with Oscar, and I'm not pregnant, which is wonderful. <laughs> wowie, wowie. Is there anything else you want to say? Because we're probably right at, like, with the edits, right at the, the yeah. constraints. Um, anything else you want to add to this? Especially for someone that might be... I don't know. I'm not even going to say it. Whatever you feel. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I've, just, I've shared this story a lot, but the focus has never really been on the abortion part of the conversation. So it's been really interesting. And I really appreciate your perspective and your questions about that. And yeah, I just know a lot of women have been through that. And I just, I want to kind of more normalize the conversation. Totally um, normalize the conversation. Just, it's like, where you, I don't want to cut you off. What are you saying oh. some more? Uh, yeah, the one other thing I just wanted to say is, like, for other women going through that, like, the the spiritual or energetic part of connecting with the spirit and with your womb and, like, and forgiveness and stuff um, just really helps the whole process. It helps with the reduction of, of the physical pain as well as in the healing process. So, um, yeah, I just want to, like, recommend that. And you, you can do it yourself, but just, like, uh, that's has been an important part of the, the process for me in terms of recovering quickly and um, not feeling a lot of like guilt or, or regret or anything about it. It just felt, feels really right and, and feel, I feel at peace with the whole situation. And for people that want to reach out to you, is it Mermaid Feet at Instagram the best yeah, way to yeah. do that? Yeah, Mermaid Feet at Instagram. That's sure. at Mermaid Feet. One word. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Wowie, wowie. All right, all right. Thank you, thank you. Oh, yeah, I mean, last little, little because we're both on the same Purium train. Oh, yeah. You said you said some things to me last night about, like, how Purium, like, saved your life. Oh, like, what my you God. Talking about? What you talking about? How was that so, involved in this story? Yeah, so I brought, I brought with me to the Bahamas a bunch of superfoods and, and, like, you know, gluten-free stuff because you can't really get that stuff down there. And I just, I just recently had signed up for Purium, so I had my... Um, what is the the regular the green app the power shake. the power shake power so good shake. so that like literally saved my life because for the majority of the time I was there I did not have refrigeration or vegetables or like any of the food that I was used to having so I drank that every morning and just like it really helped me like still feel good in my body during this whole experience and I'm just really grateful that I had that there like it saved me. You know, that's really a big conversation because we're both looking. I mean, I'm right in the midst of the whole freeze drying process, but gotta get more freeze dryers accessible to farmers and to like ranchers and hunters, so that for people that are like on boats and planes and all the crazy travel that we do, get the real rich foods because the stuff they mm -hmm. serve on planes right now. I don't know what they do on boats exactly, but that plane food is like embarrassing. Oh, I'm a yeah. part of the this. Like, that's one of the most embarrassing parts of our world, I would say. Like, why are we feeding people that in the air? Feed them something better. Like, yeah. like freeze-dried <laughs> bison liver <laughs> or greens. Like, Perium has so many different ones. I don't, I don't know if they freeze-dry yeah. or dehydrate theirs. I'd be curious. But, yeah, their Power Shake's epic. They have so many epic products. I'm happy we're on that train together. I'm happy to hear that you felt supported. I, I, I feel supported by them continuously ever since I signed up April 20th. Nice. April 20th, 2020. Yeah, I also had the cherry mix with me, which happened to last, like, it's so rich. It lasted me, lasted me almost the whole time, the two months I was there. 
they just put a little bit in, the, in club soda kind of for like a virgin cocktail and it made it like explode with bubbles but it was like my treat it was really nice to have those cherry bubbles definitely for dream time i love what i do is raw the local raw milk and then i put maple syrup in the cherry and i mix it up and like mm -hmm. feels good mm -hmm. Well, thank you again. Uh, thank you really for your leadership, uh, not only in like the health and wellness space and continuing like that passion for pioneering new products that are better and better, but also for, um, yeah, you're just, just utmost like awesomeness of reporting what's happening for you. Like for your, like an investigative journalist of your own consciousness, you're doing a great job with that. Thank you for that. Thanks. Yeah. Quite the inspiring lifestyle. Want to talk more about your Costa Rica adventures? Well, to be continued that. <laughs> to be continued. All right, thanks for breaking normally, y'all. Peace. What's most personal is most universal. Chapter One Original Sin. Why did Adam and Eve get kicked out of the Garden of Eden? Perhaps for the same reason we did, listening to the serpent rather than God. Before that moment, they lived naked, unashamed, and in harmony with the world around them. Along came the serpent, however, which slithered up and whispered in Eve's ear, You see that tree over there? You should eat its fruit. It will give you special knowledge. Eve told Adam, and the two of them got to thinking, Maybe we should and acting against the will of God, they did. Unless you're a parcel mouth, it's not an actual snake. Instead, it's a friend, a parent, a preacher, teacher, coach, or bully. It's a commercial on TV, an item in a store, a YouTube video, a Facebook post, a digitally enhanced Instagram picture, even a book, perhaps even this book, depending on your interpretation. These are all potential serpents, some subtle, some not so subtle. They whisper in your ear about what you should and shouldn't do. They shout and advertise about what you should buy. They advise you about what your job or career should be, what you're good at, and what you're not. They tell you how you should look and act. You're not enough, they say. You're too much. You're this, you're that, and so on. Unless you do X, Y, or Z. In short, they're shooting on you. When you start listening and believing what they say, you should on yourself. That, in a coconut shell, is how you get banished from the garden. That is how a heavenly life can feel like a living hell. Perhaps this is the essence of original sin, sin, meaning to act without God. I believe that we are all creations of the Creator, endowed with divine and universal energy. The light within me is the same light within you, within everyone else and everything else. We are like individual light bulbs connected back to the same source, and yet no two bulbs are exactly the same. We come in different colors, sizes, and shapes with different perspectives, ideas, and dreams. Those variables make the light shine through us in a very particular way, and it wants to shine through us in that particular way. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. Our job as light bulbs is to shine. As kids, we knew what that meant. Rather, we didn't know. Didn't have to think about it. We did it. 
Like Adam and Eve, we were born naked and unashamed and raw and spontaneous and real. Bundles of energy, acutely sensitive, radically alive. We glowed with the flow and acted the way we felt. We didn't filter ourselves. The delay from impulse to expression was physiological, not psychological. Everything was new, and we lived at the surface of our skin. If something looked strange, we asked about it. If it was appealing, we went for it. We played, we explored, we expressed. Nothing we did brought about reproach, because to the adults watching us, we were innocent, and everything we did was cute, brilliant, and miraculous. We pooped, peed, picked our noses, farted, rolled over, played dead, laughed, screamed, sang, cried, imitated others, pretended to be kings or queens or bandits, and played with our food at the dinner table. We allowed at all times, as Whitman says, nature to speak without check with original energy. At some point in our young lives, however, a shadow may have appeared. We looked up, squinted our eyes to make out what it was, and more often than not saw a parent or authority figure hovering over us. Suddenly, without reason, or without reason we could understand, something we were doing, something we'd done many times, suddenly that thing was no longer okay. Suddenly that thing was bad. And we had better stop doing that something, stop doing it in public at least, or risk punishment which may have felt like a fall from grace and a loss of love. The message, which from our perspective was arbitrary and probably unfair, was essentially, you're too much, your light is too bright, too dim, or odd-colored, etc. This is the first shutting down, so far back in our individual and collective memory as to pass into myth. Before that moment, there was no history, only the eternal, ever-present now. After that moment, a story of repressed emotions is birthed. As adults, many people tend to minimize and downplay the impact of such experiences. Such corrective punishment seems like a micro-incident that kids should easily get over, which is to say, put in perspective. We forget that kids don't have the same perspective as adults. They're three, four, maybe five years old or younger, to a kid, the incident is not micro, but macro. It's earth-shattering, probably the biggest thing that happens that day. Imagine being small and relatively powerless in relation to the giants around you. Imagine the warmth that comes from love and the cold that comes from punishment. It must be confusing for kids when one moment the sun is shining and the next moment, for reasons one might not understand, it's blotted out. This kind of confusion is what prompted ancient peoples to perform various sacrifices during solar eclipses because they thought the gods were displeased. Imagine their confusion when the world went dark and the relief and joy at seeing the sun again. Maybe they thought their sacrifice pleased the gods and learned in the future to make regular sacrifices to keep their place in the sun. In the modern age, there might not be a literal ritualistic sacrifices, but cultures do exist that promote partial sacrifice in the form of social conformity. You can simply go to a playground to see it happen. Look how alive the kids are, how they seem to be bursting with energy. Then watch what happens when one of the kids gets in trouble, when he or she falls from parental favor. 
A lot of times the child is isolated, scolded, and sent to time out, which mirrors the way we incarcerate adults. Watch the body language, the facial expression of that child. He looks confused, angry, and above all, ashamed. He sits in time out and barely moves, barely breathes. The world has temporarily ended. Actually, energetically, he might think he has ended, while his friends continue to play without him. When the parents release him from purgatory, he's saved. He leaps up ecstatically, that is, until he remembers, and that's the crucial moment. He checks himself, tempers his excitement, and re-enters the playground. It's easy as adults to shrug this off. So what? He acted out of line, and the parent taught him a lesson. On the one hand, that's true. The parent's intention was to correct a very specific behavior, and the child's self-modification is seen as evidence of learning. On the other hand, the lesson that gets through, especially the first few times, is taught is usually deeper, more jarring. Not that a certain behavior is bad, but that the child is bad, no longer pure and innocent and good. That's the fall, when a child learns that there is an evil inside him or her, certain urges and tendencies that are gross or wrong. The warmth of acceptance is contrasted with the cold of exclusion, and one learns from that point forward to repress the bad and express the good, and thereby keep one's place in the sun. The challenge, however, is that no one comes into the world feeling evil, wrong, or gross. That's a learned behavior, learned from the sting of other people's reactions. There's no way to know in the moment before expression whether the thing one wants to express will be well-received by others. Childhood then can turn into a sort of guessing game where wrong guesses bring about shame and repression and right guesses bring about praise. Kids are often told to be honest and tell the truth. At some point in the course of growing up, however, many learn that adults telling them to tell the truth don't really mean it or don't mean the whole truth. Some kids get punished for being too honest. And when that happens, like the biblical fall, there seems to be forever after a shadow in our consciousness. From that point on, they are aware of two truths in every situation, the inner and the outer. It often happens that rewards and punishments alike stem from how well one obeys the outer truth to the detriment and disregard of the inner one. In school, for example, kids learn not only spelling, grammar, and arithmetic, but also how to please the teacher, how to raise their hands and come up with the right answer. Socially, many make friends and fit in first by mimicking and later by adopting the approved behaviors and lingo. It becomes safer over time not to be oneself, because what if that self gets rejected? Instead, one acts out a version, a fraction of his or her full self. Rather than feeling their way through life, they think their way around it, trying to control the future by playing other people, anticipating what they want, and tailoring themselves accordingly. In short, out of the desire for acceptance and the concern for what others might think, a lot of people growing up consciously or unconsciously dim their light in the presence of others, essentially sending a message to the creator wishing they were different than they actually are. To me, that sounds a lot like worshiping someone else's opinion rather than honoring who and what we are. The result of such worship over time, if we continually 
suppress our thoughts and feelings is that we may lose touch with those thoughts and feelings. We lose self-confidence, that is, confidence in ourselves. Serpents of all kind can slither up and whisper in our ear, tempting us off our path, leading us step by step, tongue bite by tongue bite, out of the garden. Fast forward 10, 20, 30 years, and we might end up lost, or as Alan Watts says it, at the top of a ladder, only to discover that it's leaning against the wrong wall. That's when another story, possibly the biggest delusion of all, rears its head. That's life. That's the way things are. It was never about achieving dreams, but about learning to give them up. All that is in the past, and whatever happened, happened for a divine reason. It is possible to recover the spirit of our inner child and to nurture that spirit with the consciousness of an adult. Some refer to this as the hero's journey, a coming home. The goal is to move beyond the why because games, to stop arguing for our limitations and start asking ourselves what we truly desire and how we can achieve it. When you shift that conversation both internally and externally to what and how rather than why because, you activate a new set of muscles. You start to co-create life rather than manage it. You no longer nip your ideas and inspirations in the bud because they don't seem practical or possible. Instead, you focus on what you value. You let go of practicality for a while and begin to think beyond the limits. Is this thing desirable? Is this what I or we want? If so, let's do it. Let's figure out how to do it. As soon as the fruit hit their lips, Adam and Eve felt shame. Shame because in their heart of hearts, they knew better. They knew that eating the fruit was an act of betrayal against their higher nature, their creator and God. In their shame, they covered themselves up with fig leaves and tried to hide in a grove. God found them, of course, found them out because the heart always knows. I believe we know better too. If the beginning of shame marks the end of a feeling, the beginning of a feeling can mark the end of shame. Shame led us out of the garden, but it can, paradoxically, lead us back in. You can't think your way around it, though. You must feel your way through. That's how we rewild the inner child and set the truth free. Hey, everyone. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, you can go to the show notes, and there is a link to Audible to go purchase the book. Or if you have not yet had an Audible subscription, you can get it for free. Uh, also, please leave a review if you can, and we will catch you later.